the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He who sows in tears, right, will reap with joy. He who sows with tears. What does that mean? Because in the promised land, you have to trust God to provide rain to water your crops or your crops aren't going to grow and you're not going to have food. So when you're sowing seed, you're praying your guts out that God would send the rain. You're sowing in tears. You're crying out to God, God's in the rain. See, the promised land, you have to trust God. Are you trusting the Lord with your pain and the tears that are being shed? In today's message from Pastor Dan, he encourages you to keep trusting in the Lord. God doesn't miss a single tear that your eyes shed. He sees and acknowledges each one that falls. Pastor Dan invites you to remember that God is faithful. Your tears will be turned to joy in time. God will give you a garment of praise again and will turn your mourning into dancing. Keep trusting Him in every season of your life. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 12 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Continuing his journey towards the south, he's down in the southern part of the promised land in the Negev in the desert. And now we come to verse 10. And in verse 10, Abram and Sarai face their first test. At some point, shortly after they arrived in the land, verse 10 tells us there was a famine in the land. And it was a severe famine. You know, there are some people who teach that Christians should never experience a time of famine or a time of hardship. That Christians only experience blessing from God and prosperity from God. I think Abraham and Sarah would disagree with that. And and they and and people that teach that kind of stuff say you got to have faith, right? Abraham's the father of faith. And he experienced a severe famine in his, his life. They experienced a famine in the land. Now, I want you to think about this, and I want you to put yourself in, in Abraham's situation, Sarah's situation, and maybe you've been in a situation like this. But here it is, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they, they left behind their homeland, they left behind their country, their family, the security, the safety. They, they go out on faith, believing God, believing God has called them to this, believing God is directing their steps, and He is. Believing the promises that God made to them, going on those promises, or just going on the word of God that God has spoken to them. They're praying and seeking God all along the way in their journey. They're literally a thousand miles from home. And everything they know and everything they trust, they're, they're foreigners in a foreign 
land. And when they arrive, there's a famine. And not just the famine, a severe famine. Certainly not what they expected. And you can imagine for them, you know, going out on this journey with all of the, you know, the, 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 the excitement and the hope of what's to come and what's it going to be like. And God's going to make a great nation of us and all these promises. He's going to bless us. He's going to make our name great. You're going to be a blessing to others, Abraham. And, and wow, what is it? I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. How is God going to do it? And you get there and there's a famine. It's not what they expected. It's not what they expected when they arrived in the land of Canaan. And I, I, I suppose that we, that we all in one way or another can relate to this experience, at least to some degree, where, where, where we've gone out with such expectation and such hope and such excitement into a thing, only to be disappointed. Only to get there and find that it's not what we thought it would be. Maybe you've had that experience with a, with a job, a new job, where the, you, you have this job and you know, it seems like a dream job that's perfectly tailored for you and it's so wonderful and your boss is awesome and you're excited about this new job and this new opportunity and you're looking forward to starting and you, you move your family across the country and you're a thousand miles away from your home and everything that you know and, and, and you get there and you start the job and it's not what you thought it would be. Uh, and the boss is a jerk, work environment's toxic, you know, what, what was promised to you is not what they actually delivered to you once you got there and started working there, and, and, it's, and it's, just, it's just a disappointment. You feel trapped, you've moved your whole family across the country now, and how are you going to get out of this, and what are you going to do, and, and do we stay here, do we move back, do I look for another job, and how long should I stay, you know, all of that, and it just turns into this disaster. You had all this hope and all this promise and all this excitement and looking forward to it. And it turns out to be just a great disaster, a great mess. Here it is where you thought it was going to be one thing and it turns out to be another thing. And you get there and it's all just, it's, everything's falling apart. Nothing's going the way you thought it would go. Nothing's turning out the way you thought it would turn out. Well, Abraham and Sarah didn't expect this. They didn't expect a famine. God didn't say anything about a famine. He said, you know, great nation, blessing, name great. (laughs) And maybe for Abraham and Sarah, maybe there was a part of them that felt like, man, I feel like he switched the price tags on us once we got here. And sometimes, again, we find ourselves in situations, we find ourselves in a similar situation to Abraham and Sarah where we get there. And it's not what we thought it was going to be. And we find ourselves thinking, well, this isn't what I thought. You switched the price tags on me. This isn't what I was promised. This isn't what you said. And so for Abraham and Sarah, they have hit a crisis, a crisis of faith here. And I want you to pay attention to this. They've hit a crisis of faith. They have hit a test of their trust in God. This isn't what they thought they signed up for, but this is what it is. This is the reality. And they've hit this test now. Test of their trust. Test of their faith. And I want you to know that God will use tests in our lives and God will use trials in our lives. And he puts us in different situations like he put Abraham and Sarah in this situation that they didn't expect. And he and he puts us in those situations and he puts us in those tests. Not so he can see what's in us because he already knows what's in us. He puts us in those tests so that we can see what's in us. So that we can see We need improvement. 
so that we can see ourselves and see just how weak we are and just how frail we are. And and so that we can see how frail our faith is and how easy it is for us to get derailed in trusting God. The littlest thing comes up and it's a crisis. And he puts us in those situations to show us ourselves and how much work still needs to be done. And he does that with Abraham and Sarah here. Look at Abraham's response to this famine in verse 10. It says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land. Let me just tell you up front here, Egypt is not in the promised land. Egypt is not Canaan. This is not where God wants him to go. So there's a famine. There's, there's this test. And what does Abraham do? Abraham, listen, he immediately stopped walking by faith. The test hits and he stops trusting God. He stops walking by faith. He doesn't build an altar. He built an altar in Shechem. He built an altar in Bethel. Now he's in the Negev and there's a famine. He doesn't build an altar. He doesn't pray. He doesn't call on the name of the Lord. He doesn't seek the Lord. He doesn't wait on the Lord. I, you know, wouldn't it have been wonderful if it says here that Abraham called on the Lord and said, Lord, you called us to this. Lord, this was your idea. I was happy living in Ur. And you called me to come here and I'm here. And now there's a famine. Lord, you see this famine. Lord, what are you going to do? Lord, this is your problem. <laughs> You created this. I didn't create this. You created it. I'm just obeying you and following you. You brought me here, Lord. What are you going to do to get me out of this famine? But he doesn't do that. He doesn't build an altar. He doesn't pray. He doesn't trust God. He stops trusting God. And instead, Abraham says to his wife, Sarah, we're going to Egypt. Now listen, if you're taking notes in the Old Testament, going to Egypt is frequently the alternative to trusting the Lord. Going to Egypt is the alternative to trusting the Lord. Going to Egypt is the opposite of walking by faith. If you remember in the book of Exodus, children of Israel, they come out of Egypt. God delivers them out of Egypt and brings them immediately into the wilderness, into the desert. And if you remember this story, as they're in the wilderness, there were several occasions when the people, the children of Israel said, We want to go back to Egypt. We want to go back to Egypt. We miss the leeks and the onions and the cucumbers. Those must have been some cucumbers. We miss the flesh pots in Egypt. We want to go back. And what were they really saying? What they were really saying is, we don't want to live this life of faith in the wilderness. We don't want to have to trust God for everything. We want to go back to Egypt because we didn't have to trust God for everything back in Egypt. Egypt was easier. In their minds, it was. See, in Egypt, they've got the Nile River and they've got the Nile River Delta, which was a very, very fertile land. So there there was always, always plenty of food in Egypt. Famines in Egypt were very, very rare. We're going to see a famine later on in the book of Genesis during the time of Joseph. But the reason that story is there is because it was so unusual and uncommon for there to be a famine in Egypt because of the whole Nile River basin and and the fertile land 
that was there in Egypt, Egypt always had food. Or to put it another way, Egypt was predictable. You could count on Egypt. You knew what you were getting with Egypt. Egypt was, was predictable. You didn't have to trust God to provide for you in Egypt. I want you to turn with me over to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And I just want to look at a couple of verses here in Deuteronomy 11 that I, I think will help you kind of understand the difference between the promised land and the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 11, this is just before the children of Israel come into the promised land. They're being led by Moses at this point. Joshua will be the one who brings them over the Jordan River into the promised land. And just before God brings them into the promised land, he says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10, I love these verses. He says, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. He says, the promised land is not like Egypt. Before, we, before you go in, let me tell you, the promised land you're going into is not like Egypt, where you sowed your seed and you watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. The, the, the idea of watering it by foot, they created these irrigation canals, these irrigation ditches, just because they had the Nile River. And they, so they've got this, this you know, constant water source And so they created all of these irrigation canals throughout all of their farmland that carried water to the the fields and watered the crops. He said, you know, living in Egypt is like growing a vegetable garden. (laughs) You know, it's easy. It's easy to grow food in Egypt. He says, but the land which you cross over to possess, it's a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. God says here, hey, this land you're going into, it's not like the land of Egypt where you've got canals and and man-made systems to, to provide water to the... where it's like a vegetable garden. He says the promised land, you're going to have to trust God to bring rain. You're going to have to trust God to provide for you in the promised land. You didn't have to trust God in Egypt. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. You know the verse in the Psalms where it says, he who sows in tears, right, will reap with joy. He who sows with tears. What does that mean? Because in the promised land, you have to trust God to provide rain to water your crops or your crops aren't going to grow and you're not going to have food. So when you're sowing seeds, you're praying your guts out that God would send the rain. You're sowing in tears. You're crying out to God. God, send the rain. See, the promised land, you have to trust God. 
And God has called Abraham and Sarah to live a life of trust, live a life of faith. They hit a crisis. And Abraham says, essentially, forget this life of faith. Let's go to Egypt. Where it's predictable. And we don't have to live this life of faith. Now, now you go back to uh, Genesis for me. And they hit this test. Really, it's really the first test. First test of their faith. And immediately when this test starts, Abraham stops walking by faith. He stops trusting the Lord to provide for him and his wife. His immediate response to the test is to abandon the life of faith and to head to Egypt. And I think for many of us, when we hit a crisis, when we hit a trial, we hit some uncertainty in life, we can be quick to stop trusting God. We can panic and we can react and think, I've got to do something. I've got to come up with a solution. And we look, we look to the world for a solution. Or we look within ourselves for a solution. And we come up with some idea, some plan that we hatch. And the next thing you know, we're saying, come on, honey, we're going to Egypt. Here's the plan. We're just going to head down to Egypt. And I, th- I think this is... Uh, I think this is especially true for husbands. Because after all, Abraham is a husband. Uh, and I, th- I think quite often for us as, as men, as husbands, we face a crisis, we face a trial, we face an uncertain time, we panic, we react, we stop walking by faith, we, we don't pray, we don't call on the name of the Lord, we don't wait on the Lord, we don't build an altar, we just say, we, let's go to Egypt. I got a plan, we'll go to Egypt. There's always food in Egypt, we'll just go to Egypt. We come up with this plan in our minds, how we're going to lead our family. You know, the Bible explains the roles in marriage, where the husband is called to be the priest of the home and to lead his family. And, and Abraham has been leading his wife, Sarah. And we do see him you know, seeking the Lord and building altars and praying and calling on the name of the Lord. Just two verses ago, Abraham built an altar and he called on the name of the Lord, but now he's facing a, a famine He has led his family into a famine and he doesn't know what to do. And so instead of continuing to trust God to get them through this famine, he drags his wife down to Egypt. A lot of husbands do that. Wives, you probably already know this, but as husbands, we don't really know what we're doing a lot of the time. (laughs) And we're just kind of making it up. And and, and quite often we we hit a... a, a crisis, and, and, and man, isn't, isn't it amazing how quickly we hit a crisis, how quickly we stop trusting God, and we take matters into our own hands, and we come up with a plan, and the next thing you know, it's, honey, get in the car, we're going to Egypt, and that's the plan, instead of waiting on God and Trusting God and continuing to walk by faith. And then you have Sarah, you know, the wife who's married to this guy. And for Sarah, there's more than, more than just a famine in the land. There's a famine in her marriage. There's a famine in the leadership of her husband. And yet she follows him. She follows him. She allows him to lead the family. Even, even into dumb ideas. She follows him. You know, in the New Testament, Sarah is held up as an example of a godly wife. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, it says of Sarah, listen to what it says. It says that she trusted in God and she obeyed Abraham. It does not say she trusted Abraham. It says she trusted God and obeyed Abraham. She trusted God and obeyed her husband. It doesn't say she trusted her husband. And I'd imagine for Sarah, it was very difficult for her to trust her husband at times, as it is for any wife. Especially when you have a husband who suddenly faces a crisis and he stops seeking God. You don't see him building an altar. You don't see him praying. You don't see him calling on the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden now your husband, who's already moved you a thousand miles away from your family, your home, and everything that you know, to bring you to this land because he feels like God told him that you're supposed to move there and that God's got great blessing for you there. Uh, and, and you get there, and there's a famine, and now your husband says, we're moving to Egypt. And Sarah trusted God and obeyed her husband. And she went along to Egypt, and she followed her husband into Egypt. And so, you know, sometimes, wives, you ask the question, do I, do I have to follow my husband if he's doing something stupid? Right? Well, as long as it's not something illegal... And as long as it's not something that is going to bring some kind of physical harm, maybe, to you. But yeah, you follow your husband, even if he's doing something stupid. As hard as that is. You trust God. And you obey your husband. Go with him on it. I know it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's easy for me to say that to you. It's, it's hard to live it out. Sarah followed her husband into Egypt. Verse 11 now. (laughs) And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt. So he says, you know, so, okay, so from uh, from where they were in the promised land down to where they're going in Egypt, it's like it's like a 225 mile journey. She's already she's already walked a thousand miles from Ur. All the way to the promised land. And now the first crisis And her husband says, we're going to go on to Egypt. (laughs) Now they're almost to Egypt. They're almost to the border. They're about to enter Egypt. And Abraham turns to his wife, Sarah, and says, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Let me just stop right there and say, Sarah was 65 years old at this time. He's going to say this again of her when she's about 90 years old, that she's a beautiful woman at 90. So she must have been a very strikingly beautiful uh, woman, especially as we see this story progress. He's concerned that she's so beautiful here uh, that he's going to get killed because of her beauty. Although this word beautiful, when he talks about the beauty of his wife, it may not mean what we think it means. Because in Genesis 41, the same phrase is used to describe the beauty of a cow. So maybe they measured beauty differently, you know, because I wouldn't talk about the, the beauty of my wife and the beauty of a cow the same way. But they, they, they do. So I don't know. So it came to pass as they're entering Egypt, he says to his wife, hey, look, we're about to go into Egypt. And I know you're man, you're, you're beautiful. Honey, let me just tell you, first of all, I think you're beautiful. <laughs> Therefore, because you're so beautiful, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live, please say, you are my sister. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland, please join us this weekend for worship and studying Scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There will be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.